Hey, Real Nerds listeners, there's many ways you can interact with the Real Nerds podcast. You can email us at realnerds at gmail.com. You can hit us on Twitter at Real Nerds. You want to check us on Facebook? You can just look for Real Nerds Podcast. You want to leave us a voicemail? Just call 720-6NERDS5. You want to listen to our episodes? You can check us out on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Camera action! Well, a real nerd knows who shot, and a real nerd can follow the plot, and a real nerd can talk to film. I'm sorry. Take it outside. Well, a real nerd knows who shot, and a real nerd can follow the plot, and a real nerd. This is Real Nerds Podcast. We are officially the podcast you listen to for all your movie needs because every week for over 11 years, we see a new movie and we podcast our experience to the world. This week, I am joined by Zach. Hello. Brad. What's up? And of course, I am the coolest of all the nerds, Ryan. Yes. Undisputed. Yes. <laughs> Undisputed nerd nope. champion of Thank- real nerds. Thank- thankfully, no one on the internet is trying to challenge that. We can we can rest easy on a very simple fact of life. Ryan yes. is the coolest nerd. And then we can just move on with our day. <laughs> yes. Once we all come to grips with my greatness, it'll be a lot better. That's kind of how dictators start. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Ryan, <laughs> this is this is not a democracy. This is cheerocracy. You know, I can even a frostocracy. When we started from... the show eleven years ago, never would have imagined we would have uh, nosedived right into authoritarianism as we have. That's right. that's my rule. And I even busted out a line from a not another teen movie. <laughs> so oh, I'm sorry, I didn't memorize that movie for you. Yeah, maybe you should have. Maybe you should have. Um, wow. It's the part where they're making fun of Bring It On. And Jimmy Priestley says, or Presley says, that she's the, the head cheerleader lady. I guess I was just too busy laughing. <laughs> yes. The silliest movie ever. Maybe my, like, sixth or seventh favorite Chris Evans movie. Um. Anywho. Uh, we'll uh, recommend the film or not, play the trailer, and then spoil the movie. We'll also talk about the big movie news of the week. And the one thing you should watch, or maybe not watch, but we're going to talk about anyways. Yeah, uh, wonderful. Yeah. Um, before we dive into it, though, Brad, I think I think our listeners would like to know, because we got a lot of hits and likes and questions about our experience at Alamo Drafthouse Sloan's Lake on Thursday. Really? (laughs) (laughs) And um, it was a trip. So um, I really wanted to see our movie by the the way this week is Halloween ends. I don't think I said finally. (laughs) Yeah. Well, hey, hey, you shut up. I want more still, even though it is the end. Um, So I really wanted to see it because I'm a big fan of the previous two in this new Laurie Strode trilogy part. And I uh, so I got my ticket for 11 p.m. on Thursday, and Brad, when I bought my ticket, I was the only one in the theater. When you bought your ticket, was I still the only one in there? 
you were still the only one. I was super excited about it. I know. So um, then you text me on the way down. And it's like, who is this asshole? And there's like people like the so, theater was still wide open, except right next to us. We're in theater. Really well, we're in theater seven, which means there's only five rows and there's only two in the back, three up front. And so, yeah, we're in row four and then row five is just sold out all of a sudden. Yeah. And uh, so I get there early and I'm watching the one guy explain the Halloween timeline and Brad comes in and I knew we were in trouble, Brad, because as I was walking in and I was walking to the theater, the two girls that sat directly behind us were talking about, is this the one with Jason or Freddie? And I go, what? Why are you even seeing this movie? Please tell me you screamed at them. No, I, I, I just, or, 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 or kindly gave them a lecture about the differences. And when they said that, I went, no, no, no. <laughs> okay, um, that's also the third correct answer. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so Brian and I are sitting there, and then those two girls come in, and then these people sat down next to Brad, and she was from Boston. She had the most thick Boston accent I've ever heard. She said, I've never been to a movie theater that sells alcohol <laughs> while you're watching the film. It's <laughs> like, whoa. I'm going to Collecticon this weekend. Wicked awesome, you know? Yeah. I'm going to get the Charizard. And and it was straight out of Goodwill Hunting. I mean, are we going to watch this pussy Michael Myers finally fucking fall? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they come in. Then the whole, so it was just the two girls at the beginning. Then the whole back row fills up. Then, so Brad doesn't want to deal with the people there. So he takes his pizza and goes, sits in like row two. And, the server says, oh, yeah, that's fine. But while he's there, like, whole all of row two fills up. So he comes back. Yeah, I'm sitting then... there for a whole minute before <laughs> yeah. row two says, like, great, these seats are sold. So I come back, like, <laughs> like dragging my head, embarrassed. <laughs> like Charlie Brown. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then our whole row fills up. Then the row in front of us fills up. I mean, this movie's almost sold out now. Yeah, and, and that, the the three people in the row in front of us are like jumping on the seats <laughs> and like screaming at each other, which is great. Yeah, and then no one would stop talking, and I go, "Oh man, this is going to be awful." But maybe they'll shut up. But I knew we were in trouble, Brad, when the Jamie Lee Curtis PSA came on, and no they one started like paying attention. <laughs> yeah, no one was paying attention, and then. uh the movie started and it kind of got quiet, but then they couldn't stop talking. So then I got up and I asked the server because it started out. There's only one server in the whole theater. And then all of a sudden there was three of them because it started becoming overwhelming. And so I talked to the dude and he said, oh, man, I'm sorry. I, he said, I already gave him a warning. I said, I know I heard you. I said, it just sucks. He says, yeah, Jill, just let me know what you guys want to do. So I said, OK, I'll try to watch it. So we sit down. And the moment at the beginning happens, that's pretty graphic. And everybody goes, so they're quiet for like a minute. Then that happens. And then they don't shut up. And I look at Brad and says, Brad, we need to get out of here. <laughs> I can't do this. Um, I mean, and it was, it, it was talking in a way that it was just so obnoxious that you couldn't even focus on anything. Yeah. It was just consistent nonstop. And it was just, you know, the whole back row was just having their own little screening for themselves. They were just talking about other things. And then, you know, the Boston girl right next to me was talking to her, I guess, boyfriend, probably um, just asking questions. And he was 
describing the Halloween franchise history tour as the movie's going on. So yeah, like, he's filling her are... in while we're trying to watch like the prologue that's happening and. Yeah. What's that? What's a Doctor Loomis? Why is this? Yeah. Why is this guy on the screen? Who's this? But oh god! Yeah. And then the people in front of her were jumping on each other. She's like, "Shut the fuck up! Shut the fuck up!" It's like, "Oh my god!" Remember, so uh, Brad Knight just got up and left. <laughs> yeah. Remember, 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 when I was checking in on the the seating chart, uh, I commented, "There's that one dude in the top left or the row one, like far, far left corner." And I was like, mm-hmm. "I'm so jealous of him." And uh, yeah, I saw that dude come in. He just strolled in, sat down. He was, you know, I, I think he was probably the, if we had to like choose sides, I think he was the guy we would need to put on our team because he, he, he had this like, I think he knew what he was in for and he, he planned accordingly. Yeah. And, but even then, even if I was in the front row, I couldn't stay. It was way too distracting. Yeah. I mean, I, we might have been a power be able to power through it but uh, it was just better for us because you know this is a movie that you really wanted to see so yeah why not and yeah the alamo was cool about it they gave us some passes and uh, actually tried to comp our food but i was like i don't want to stiff the server yeah (laughs) i felt bad for her because she even told us that she wasn't gonna serve them anymore wow so yeah um and when i went so so i went saw it on monday at uh, littleton and I was the only one in the theater, and I was actually the only one in the whole draft house. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. uh, you could have had a buddy, but you, never, you didn't remind me, so uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw that you already went and saw it, so I was like, oh, I guess he doesn't like me anymore. Okay. Uh, I watched it at home on Peacock, so I would have oh. definitely... <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even get an invite to the Thursday night screening, so... What are you talking about? Uh, it was in the chat. Oh wait, you did. Actually, yeah, you did. Yeah. yeah whoa. Fuck you. Whoa. You didn't <laughs> to us for Never mind. Days. You guys are you guys are good friends, and I'm terrible. I get it. Um. So, so here's a question that I have <clears throat> as somebody who wasn't there to experience it. It, it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't they supposed to kick them out after a warning? Yeah, yeah. but when you're at the small theater and like that's your revenue is <laughs> pretty much half the theater. I, I yeah, I can they see where they don't. To, want... They may need to back off of that that warning then because they can't live up to it. They've, well, it... they've rarely lived up to it in my 11 years of going to the Elmo Draft yeah. House. Well, here's. Here's my thing too is when I was talk when so it's just Brad and I so uh, I mean they'd have to kick out literally the whole theater mm-hmm. and all the money that they're making off because they were buying shots behind us and food and all this other stuff I, was, I don't know I, I guess I can see that I just it just it's a shame because you can't you you, you can't force them to behave unless you could follow through on that policy, but then they lose money. And this is a movie that's day and date release with Peacock streaming. So they're trying to compete for that attention. So yeah, it's kind of like a snafu for them as well. Um, yeah. uh, I just went home and watched it streaming. Cause yeah, like it's not as important to me as to see it in the theater. Like I would have seen it again, but like, yeah, like the competition, you know, we, we went home. Yeah. Cause it wasn't worth it. And I was like, yeah, it's cool. I'll watch it at home then. But you know, who knows? Yeah, I could have I could have bought chips and queso, whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, my server at uh, Littleton said that if we're going to see horror movies, you shouldn't see them late night at the Sloan's Lake one because she had the same. She personally had the same problem trying to watch Nope there. Yeah. So overall, the audiences I've ha- had at uh, Sloan's Lake are just uh, oblivious. It's it's like every screening is their own private screening. 
Like, mm-hmm. um, they're not rowdy and obnoxious like we did, but there's there's definitely an air of just like we're the only people in this theater. Yeah, mm-hmm. and everyone else is that's that that's their problem. So interesting. And then yeah, well, Littleton is often just kind of a ghost town, so I, I prefer to go see stuff there. But they don't have late screenings, so I know it's a pain in the ass. Yeah. Oh well, I mean, I'm glad you guys finally did get to eventually watch it, because like I, I hate to say this, but when we went to Littleton in the morning, Malia and I went, and it was perfectly fine. No, no noise whatsoever. It was 11:30 in the morning. There was a few people there, and then when I went last night at Riverpoint, it was just me and my friend Matt in the theater. So no problems. So I feel bad that you guys had to experience that. And I feel Brad, worse that Brad keeps running into this shit. Well, like, this the, is just ridiculous. I mean, the first time you watched it, you guys were making out so much that you weren't noticing all the talking going on. So, um, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, that didn't happen. <laughs> Brad, <laughs> I know you guys like to just sit in the back of the theater and make out. Oh, you, yeah. You don't watch yeah. the movies. Well, you and I used to do it, but then I met her. And so now I've had to I've had to replace my partner. I'm sorry, but it's cool. I just stuffed a pillowcase full of straw and I just set it next to me when I go to movies now. <laughs> <laughs> Old straw. You, you punch it and say, shut up, Zach. My dick is super chafed movie. from straw <laughs> scratches. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> it stings hey. when it goes up the pee hole. Jesus Christ, Brad. <laughs> wow. Sorry, it's just, I, I, it's trying to get oh, some... Don't worry. Some shock value back into this podcast. Oh, yeah. No, no, we definitely... It's been a while since we've said the term horse fucking, hasn't it? Yes. <laughs> it's too long. Hey, uh, right before we start the movie, can I shout out a film festival real quick sure whoa whoa he's not asking you zach he's asking the star the everything of this podcast yeah like i said sure brad (laughs) (laughs) i'm kidding may i go ryan please you may thank you thank you your majesty (laughs) um yeah so uh this weekend i went to the calexico experience the spaghetti and westers fest um wally wallace uh, invited us i was the only one able to go i got to ride the train and see westerns and short films in their um their festival and it was tons of fun and he's gonna try to do different combos like um asian and kung fu films and uh like asian food and then kung fu films and then like sci-fi and i forget what food he's gonna pair with it but it was in trinidad and you take a train down to raton so the food's in Trinidad, you watch the movies in Raton, and it's a blast. And thank you, Wally, for inviting me to do that and comping me for that. It's a fun time. So next yeah, year... So maybe you should write an article on our website about it. Maybe I will. Maybe I will. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just wanted to, you know, part of it was our inv- invitation was to hype his festival. So here I'm doing that. So hopefully I will get that article made and uh, have some fo- a lot of cool photos. And then, uh, yeah. Next time it comes around, hopefully we can all go. Um, I guess also last weekend or the week before last weekend was a Telluride horror show, which we didn't get to go to. 
but um, oh, bummer. I think I'm planning on going next year, though. My my whole family, well, my cousin Lisa and my cousin Weston want to go. So yeah, it'd be nice for us to make a return to that at some point. Yep, it's been a while. But anyway, just want to get those in before I forget about them by the end of the show. Cool. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, I wish I could go. It, it, it was kind of he. It's awesome he comped us, but it was kind of last minute. It's hard for me to get time off at the last minute. Um, but yeah, yeah, if he gives me a big enough heads up, then I could definitely go to the next one. This week on Real Nerds Podcast, Michael's saga came to an end. Zach, no! do you recommend? <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> do you recommend Halloween Ends? Of course I do. We have to talk about it after the trailer, though. But yes, absolutely. Go watch the movie. Brad, do you recommend Halloween Ends? Um, maybe, I guess. Uh, I can see where people would be disappointed in this movie. Um, but I also happen to finally watch all the other Halloween films. Except, like, well, not all of them, but like two, four, and three. Yeah, two, three, and four. And I have to say, now that I have seen those, this trilogy makes a lot more sense. Um, so I yeah. think it's I, I don't think it's as terrible as people are seem seems to people seem to be saying about it. But I also see what they're trying to do. So, um, yeah, it's it's fine. I uh, yeah, I actually recommend this film too. Um, because yeah, I heard a lot of things about it, and I remember. I don't know if I watched or I read an interview with Jamie Lee Curtis and she was talking about reading the script for this and she thought it was very bold and very unique. And I have to agree with her. Um, Actually, I'd also like to add, um, I almost wish the movie was only the first five minutes we saw and that it just ended like that would have been (laughs) the the best (laughs) version of this movie. Everything else after that, uh, I was kind of like, eh, it's a fine. But that first, that prologue hooked me. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Here's, here's the trailer for Halloween Ends. It's been four years since Michael Myers vanished without a trace. Hello. feels different he's more dangerous
Maybe the only way he can die is if I die too. It all ends now. Yeah, so the film is the prologue takes place a year after Michael's rampage in Halloween Kills. And the prologue is with this uh kid named Corey Cunningham as a last minute babysitter for this little shit rag Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> First off, which is really weird funny. That this, it's weird that this town is still enthusiastically celebrating Halloween at all, but go on. <laughs> yeah. um, so anyways, um, he seems like he's this really cute, precocious kid at the, when his parents are around. And then when his parents leave, he's this kind of little asshole um, that picks on Corey Cunningham, that is the babysitter, and teases him about Michael Myers coming to get him. And so they he runs around his house and hides and locks him in the attic. And then Corey gets freaked out and kicks the door over and over again and kicks it open and he kicks it open so hard it hits this little boy in the face and he falls from the third story of this house and gets like bent in half when he hits the concrete, killing him. Yeah, um, there's a big old splat. Yeah. I, I also like to point out Corey was doing this as a favor. He doesn't even normally babysit. I yeah. believe is what he said. And then, um, you know, the reason he is scared in that closet is because of what happened last year. Yep. Yeah. Um, so an overarching theme. So that happens. And then we flash forward three more years. Uh, an overarching theme in this is, is the trauma that Michael's inflicted on this community. Even though people are trying to move on, um, there's still that essence i guess throughout um lori is attempting to move on and it was really interesting seeing um jamie lee curtis in that role as happy again and she's lori she's before this shit happened <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of nice to watch her be happy <laughs> yeah and so she's trying to move on um her daughter allison uh, granddaughter is working at a doctor's office um she sticks up for Corey because he's like a town pariah now because uh, he went on trial for the death of this kid. And so people don't like him. And so he gets involved with these bullies and Lori sticks up for him and takes him to the hospital or medical center where Allison works. And they kind of hit it off. Did they say um, like if Corey did any time or was he like tried as a minor? Uh, I think he was, I think they were, he was tried, but like, Officer Hawkins points to the fact that he got a bad break, so I think it's more or less he got acquitted because it was clearly an accident, but still the the stigma is is surrounding him because of how the parents react, but also the fact is the kid's dead. Okay. Yeah. But I don't think he did time, because if he did time... No, he, he didn't do time. No. He mentions that he got acquitted. Um, yeah. 
which I mean, sure. Um, and uh oh, <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, the, wait, 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 wait. In your professional opinion, what was the pro- appropriate sentencing? No, no, I, I don't know if you'd actually even charge anybody. Um, I mean, you have to prove intent, no matter what you do, in uh, in any um, criminal act. There has to be intent there. I mean, I guess you could charge him with manslaughter or reckless endangerment or something like that. But I mean, if you're presented with all the facts, I don't think you could, but I get it. He still might've been charged. And I mean, him being acquitted is the right thing. Uh, So anyways, he, uh, he starts dating, uh, Allison and, uh, he goes out to a party with her, starts having fun and runs into, the mother of the little boy, he runs away, gets beat up and thrown off a bridge by the bullies. Um, he's dragged into the sewers where Michael's been staying. And um, Michael, this is where it starts getting a little controversial. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, Michael grabs him and is able to do uh, like Ghost Rider's soul stare where he looks into his soul and in in a way transfers his evil essence into Corey. And when Corey leaves um, the sewers, he kills that homeless guy and he has a different attitude about him. Now he's kind of like the bad boy that Allison falls for. And um, Jamie Lee, uh, Lori sees a change in him. Um, The boys who, who died father mentions he saw him the other day and he noticed something different in his eyes. Yeah. And yeah. So he ends up teaming up with Michael and they go around killing people that have wronged Allison and him. And, um, well, uh, Michael actually just stays at home <laughs> for the most part. No, no, no. He helps him with, he, he helps his young apprentice on the journey. Um, because uh, he goes to assist, well, he assists with the kill with the officer, um, which is actually where I'll have to talk about it in a second. But anyway, he 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 helps with the officer kill, and then he goes to um, the doctor's office with the doctor and the nurse, uh, the nurse who gets the promotion unfairly. But then he goes, yes, then he goes back home because Corey kicks the shit out of him and gets his mask, and then that's when Corey becomes Michael for a minute. Which yeah. so he doesn't just stay at home. Which I can, <laughs> I, can t- I can totally see being frustrating for someone who's like who watches these movies and you know uh, Michael Myers is the protagonist to them. And after watching uh, Halloween Kills and being like, yeah, this is awesome, and he's practically supernatural and he's you know, like putting up a high body count. And then one movie later, he's like, I'm tired. I'm going to transfer my soul into this kid so he can do a lot of the work for me. And um. Well, um- like, you know, I, that does seem kind of, like kind of a bummer to me because, like, you yeah. want to see him finish out the trilogy on so a high. What, mm. Sorry, Ben. What what I'll say about this is, if you watch, because I actually watched these movies very, very recently, there is moments in both Halloween and Halloween Kills where this stuff is brought up, where um, Michael is actually gets stronger as he kills. Yeah. And this movie actually highlights that where he 
he's been obviously wounded and everything towards the end of Halloween Kills. He goes away, and Corey holds on to the officer. And I actually thought it was really interesting um, when Michael is killing him uh-huh. that you can actually see his him physically change. Into- he start because the stab at first is a little weak, and then he he does that kind of like you know how you're stretching your chest muscles and whatnot. Yeah, and then he goes in for more stabbing. So yeah, it's it's a it's like a it's like a power up in a video game. I guess you can yeah. point it out in that respect. And they talk about his essence of evil, and um, it, it is interesting. And I, I mean, I get it's also weird that he even took like you know five years off. You know, yeah. But they I, well uh... they, they they've established in this new trilogy that once he gets apprehended and taken back to Smith's Grove, he just stops. He never tries to t- he never tries to break out again. The breakout in Halloween 2018 is in- is uh orchestrated by Dr. Sartain. He just sets up the the stage for Michael to escape and pushes him towards that. The implication like and I I I I sort of agree with Ryan on the whole soul transference thing, but I think it's sort of ambiguous to the point where it's more talking about like Michael understands that he's got the same vulnerability for evil that he did when he was a kid. Um, it could be a soul thing. It could be not. I don't know. The point being is, is that it's not about just killing because he wants to, like there's a lot of certain situations where Michael is kind of put in the exact position to start killing again. Like it's Dr. Sertain in the first one. And the second one it's, he's pissed because he was left to die in that fire. <laughs> And then in this one, it's Corey pushing him, like, teach me how to embrace what you have. And it's a kid who hasn't come to terms with his fucking trauma. And then rather than doing it in a healthy manner, he's turning to the manifestation of pure evil itself, the shape. Um, it's so weird, in a though. sense, it's, um, it's so weird that 1,825 days go by and he's just like, whatever happened to that Lori chick? Should I go do something? <laughs> Should I go kill again? After after almost two thousand days, he's just like, no. Turns the turns the rats in the sewers. What do you think, buddy? And Rick Chippy, what do you think? <laughs> I, I have no murderous impulses for the first time <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, in a while. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was he didn't do anything for forty years. Well, he <laughs> so. was locked up, so like there was always the threat of, you know, he was yeah, either I'm... chained down or he had like the threat of like being killed. But you know? I I I. I... But now he's free, so it's just weird that he, like he had nothing standing in his way, and he's just like, you know what, I'm going to take a vacation. Yeah, um, yeah. If I had to point to one, the only thing I was disappointed in this film is how insane Halloween Kills was um, with the killing. I mean, it's yeah, that, like this guy will kill anybody for any reason, and in the, yeah. like, again, he's just like, yep, time to take a break. Um, <laughs> but you know, I think it's like 40 45 minutes before he even shows up mm-hmm. um, yeah and uh the guy they, they got to play Corey is he's a fine actor but he's not physically imposing like michael myers so but to be I fair also... nick Ca- nick castle's not physically imposing in the original halloween he's the skinny dude in a mask <laughs> i i know but it, this he's like kind of i mean he's a big dude though like so i never and it, in a way, it's a lot like Roy and Friday the 13th New Beginnings. You feel cheated a little bit because you'd rather see Michael do it. Um, 
but it serves a purpose for the story and that's fine i mean the and really the only like death that was really outrageous was the disc jockey that that <laughs> that death uh, that death unnerved me both me and my girlfriend we just like fuck fuck that tongue on the fucking uh, uh on the turntable <laughs> There was a plan. I listened because I listened to the commentary on Halloween Kills not even two weeks ago. And in it, David Gordon Green throughout the film points at Easter eggs throughout it. And he talks about how it plays a part in the next film. Um, and he talks about the radio station and how they see hide it in the background and that uh, they're going to be really pissed if they don't u- end up using his idea for the script because it costs a lot of money to put it in the background. And it's in like four or five shots. And um, so he did plan this out a certain way. And yeah, speaking of Easter I mean, eggs, like now that I've seen Halloween two, like the original one, like mm-hmm. Halloween kills makes more sense to me as like an homage. Yeah. Um, Cause like, yeah, Lori's sideline for most of the movie in the hospital. So yeah. Um, but maybe if they'd set up Corey in the first movie, and so, like, it had built over the two movies to this point. I think it would have been a stronger. That's a fair point. That's revealed. a very fair point. But yeah, it's no. like it just starts from scratch here and ends here. It just feels like it does. It it does feel cheating that way. But you know, it's not a huge deal. But I think yeah, I think it would have been stronger if there had been a little thread of Corey early on. And I think too. I mean, honestly, I, I think the the last bit of Lori killing Michael is really cool. Um, mm-hmm, yeah oh yeah it's funny with all her traps and everything like the final fight is really just down to like another fight in the kitchen but it's it's just like the bare bones essentials <laughs> yeah i honestly think that there's a lot more to it uh the trailer has a lot more in it that wasn't in this film the final cut so i have a feeling the extended cut's going to have quite a bit more in it um, yeah. Also, mad props for finally throwing the villain in the wood chipper. <laughs> like, I know, or the, right? or the or the grind the car grinder. Yeah, fuck. Yeah, that like, was great. Of any horror movies, you always want to see them just like, dude, cut his head off or something. And this one, when the extra mile and just completely grinded him into paste. Just like, no, we're gonna make sure this is very fucking clear. <laughs> yeah. The only way this guy's yeah, coming I mean... back is if he gets possessed by a demon and reassembled <laughs> Jason style. <laughs> That would be great, but terrible at the same time <laughs> for Michael. For Jason, it works, not for Michael. <laughs> um, can I like share what my share a big thought that has been boiling in me since I've watched this two times? The Kills is a Michael Myers movie. Would it? Would we agree with that? It's pretty much a Michael Myers movie. Yeah. Like it centers mostly on him. This is a Laurie Strode movie. Yes, there's Corey in it, and yes, it's a Corey story, but this is a movie about Laurie finding closure and then being re-triggered by her trauma. And I like that this movie focuses a little bit more on Laurie and her interaction with people than necessarily focusing on focusing on her on on her on her ghosts of the past in, in the form of Michael. We said what we needed to say about Michael and Kills. And it's kind of weird to me that people are bashing it for not having enough Michael when it's just like, well, I mean, this this trilogy was always set up to make Michael mean and terrifying again. And as a result, if you're rooting for Michael to kill, that says something about you, (laughs) because like it's 
it's this movie, this trilogy was designed to bring power back to the victims of slasher vic- of slasher films. And I just found it weird how many people are just like, there's not enough Michael Myers in it. And it's just like, then that's fine. But like you, 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 I know that you want more of that. And I would understand if they maybe tried to trim back the Corey thing a little bit and bring a little bit more Michael in the back half. But you got some Michael, but you're really there to focus on Lori. This is to bring closure to Lori. This is to end it. And the only argument that I have to make this film better is that fight sequence needs to be 10 to 15 minutes longer. I need a long, long fight. But outside of that, this is about what I wanted out of a Halloween film is not just the end of Michael Myers. I wanted them to talk about the the, the concept of evil and to kind of wipe through the slate of bad decisions that the franchise has had over the years with curses and loopholes that Harvey Weinstein finds to keep Michael Myers alive. You know, it's, 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 this was exactly how I would have wanted it to end. Not point for point. I didn't get, I didn't expect the Corey thing, but I like how it examines trauma from a different angle because we've been experiencing it through, through Lori and her children and her, her child and her grandchild. And now we're experiencing the opposite end. What happens when somebody is pushed towards Michael Myers way of living? And that's a that's a dreadful thought. This movie is a good horror movie in the sense that it's a dread. It's 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 filled with dread, not necessarily the terror that was in kills. It's filled with dread. Like this movie is very depressing in a lot of respects, because you can't believe that Corey is somebody that. uh, That Allison would want to date until you realize that because she's going through her own form of trauma and trying to heal, this is like she's kind of trying to latch on to something close because she's literally lost everybody close to her, her mother, her father, her boyfriend, her friends. She's trying to, she's going through the stages of grief that Lori has already gone through for the last 45 years. So I just, I felt that this film perfectly encapsulated that and made it about the victims and not about the the killer. And, but I get it. I know why people are upset. It's not a traditional Halloween movie. But I think that that's kind of a benefit in its corner because you kind of got your ultimate Halloween movie last year with Kills. And if I recall correctly, everybody bitched about it. So now they're bitching even harder about this and going like, well, now I love Kills. And I'm like, well, maybe you should have sang that tune last year because you you got what you wanted then and you could have stopped there. But anyway, it's just I'm just tired of seeing people like bitch about franchises not going their way. Like, it's just like give it up dude like you go write your own fan fiction and leave it alone yeah it's, as long as people have a voice it's going to um and, and the internet lets people be that way i know i know it just and, kind of it just kind of pissed me off i'm sorry <laughs> no i get it and that's why the motto of this um you know podcast is we see a movie uh and we give every movie a chance because yeah you know, it's one of those things that I got really sick of when we were starting this. The internet was really just starting to gain traction that way. Mm-hmm. And I, I really just got tired of people, you know, not liking anything. And um, it, it just stuff like that drives me crazy. You know, I don't like this because um, this one character made this one choice. And so the whole movie for me is ruined. And my whole argument to that is, is well, it's, it's not one, it's not your film. And yep. two, 
we should embrace what people say. And um, this is off topic, but it is gonna, it's popping up. Uh, I, I do agree with what Martin Scorsese was saying at the beginning of the week, where we put so much emphasis on the box office that we forget, you know, about the films itself. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, they're talking about, oh, man, Halloween Ends is disappointing. It only made $42 million this weekend. And you, you go back and think, I mean, $42 million, it's already the third highest grossing Halloween film. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, it, it, you, you can't judge a movies like that anymore. And you can't judge a movie with your preconceived notions on how you think they're going to end. And that's always my biggest pet peeve with The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker is you can't have your own preconceived notions how you think this movie is going to be and when it doesn't go the way you want it to be that makes the movie somehow not good. You're not looking at it objectively. You're looking at it through the wrong colored glasses. End of rant. (laughs) Yeah, no. And again, like, it's okay if you don't like a movie. It's okay. Yeah. But just, but just, just come on, man. Like try to find, try to do the compliment sandwich to quote family guy. <laughs> like, you know, like and try, it, to, try not, to find something you that. like. I mean, we're, we're all film critics because we literally have a podcast on film criticism, but yeah, you, you can't just make sure it's a fair criticism is all yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. Don't bitch about it because it didn't happen the way you personally envisioned it. That's exactly not- that's not film criticism. That's you being a toxic fanboy. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Cause like I, I wasn't a big fan of the end of clerks three, but I also balanced it out with like, I understand where he's going with it. I understand objectively that it's a great ending, but for me, it was a little bit, it was a little disappointing, but I'm willing to move past that. You know, it's just like you, sure. you try to like clarify your statement and instead of just going yeah. like, well, there's not enough Michael Myers and it's just Corey, the movie. And it's just like, yeah, well, at least Michael's in the movie. It could be Friday the 13th Part 5, where Jason's literally not in the movie at all. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and and that's what I mean. And it's not... I, I, I'll go on record and say, I don't... It's not that I don't like Friday the 13th A New Beginning because Jason's not in it. I don't like Friday the 13th A New Beginning because I think it's poorly edited. I think it's poorly shot. And it's and, trashy. <laughs> and it's trashy, even for a Friday the 13th film. Um. I still watch it every like couple of years. I'm like, maybe this is the year where I find merit in it. I never do. Yeah. But oh. it's, I, it's not, I don't like it because Jason is not in it. That's not the reason I don't like the film. And right. I, if you do that, it's, it's nearsighted because at the end of the day, even in, in Halloween ends, you know, it's still way more gory and way more violent than the first Halloween. So yeah, you, you're getting what you want. And I'll yeah. say, like, the, the point, of, you know, what's funny. I didn't realize that this would be the image that would stick with me the most. Well, there's two. But one is um, the procession of uh, the per- the procession of the brutalized where they mm-hmm. tie that fucker to the car and they they pull off a fucking parade. And you watch everybody in this goddamn town who has been haunted by it. Like the beginning of the film suggests that Haddonfield itself has become haunted because of the paranoia surrounding Michael and to watch them find victory in a procession to his funeral and tossing that fucker inside a, 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 an industrial grinder like that was tops. And also to circle back to the original film and how it ended with various still shots of everywhere the killer had been 
and we do the same on peaceful tranquility, no music, mm -hmm. and the only indication of Michael's presence is that mask on the coffee table. I thought it was just a beautiful way to end this trilogy. It it just fucking so nailed it. And to have Don't Fear the Reaper at the end was the cherry on top. Um, but yeah, I liked it a lot. <laughs> and the font is for ho from Halloween 3 Season of the Witch, which I thought was cute. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. This is the big news story of the week. It's real news. We were talking a lot about Friday the 13th in the middle of our Halloween discussion, which seems like sacrilege. Um, <laughs> a little jab at Ryan today. But, um, well, the, the Friday the 13th world is is just as fun as the Halloween world. And today, uh, this week, we lost one of its greats, Ted White. Uh, who was the our Jason in Friday the Thirteenth final chapter died at the age of ninety six. Um, yeah, I mean it, he had a great life though. I mean not only was I, I think he's one of the best Jasons hands down. Mm -hmm. um, he he also was a stunt man for John Wayne and Clark Gable and I mean talk about living a good life. He did stunts for Creature from the Black Lagoon, Giant, Rio Bravo, Planet of the Apes, the remake of King Kong, Escape from New York, Roadhouse. Uh, this guy, this guy had fucking credentials. Like, I think I, I recall them talking about his legacy in the Crystal Lakes Memories ones. Like, everybody was going like, this guy's worked with everybody. Like, it was yeah, impressive to have him on the set. And he also was uncredited because he hated... <laughs> I think what he was doing in uh, the final chapter, but then there's a great <laughs> interview with him, man. I don't know if it, I have so many Friday 13 documentaries. I don't know if it's in his name is Jason or the scream factory one. Uh, but he talks about that. He, you know, he wasn't a fan, but then he started getting invited to all these conventions and all the fans really started, you know, like reaching out to him and having fun and mm -hmm. he started embracing it. And so it's, it's, it's kind of a cool, you know, come back to it. That seems like what Betsy Palmer went through because at first she kind of like negated it and then she started embracing it. Like, because yeah. cause I, I understand to a certain extent with Betsy Palmer because it is kind of just like, why are people coming up to me and congratulating me for being the perfect mother? <laughs> you know, and you're just like, yeah, that is kind of weird. But just yeah. go with it. Just go with it, Betsy. Um, Ted White, though, I'm glad he found appreciation for the series because like Friday the 13th is is a cinematic legacy like it's nothing it's nothing to sneeze at and to be a part of it in any capacity i mean jason uh, kane hodder's the the cream of the crop jason for most people but there's like four or five other people that that preceded him so you know you've got you've got a full legacy of people who have inhabited that character i think that's that's more people portraying one person um one killer in a movie setting apart from maybe the Halloween series and maybe playing the Frankenstein monster over the last 80 to 90 years, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's treat. Um, I agree. And then uh, the only other, uh, there was another death though, a, a very big one um, for people in the Harry Potter world. Our beloved Hagrid has passed away. Uh, Robbie Coltrane um, has died at the age of 72. Um, he was a recognizable f figure in British uh, British film and television prior to his uh, break. Uh, I, I don't know if this is was, his breakout role is not really Hagrid necessarily because no. he he had a career prior. I mean, he was in Kenneth Branagh's uh, Henry V as Falstaff. 
Um, he was on the sketch comedy series El Fresco. Um, he was in uh, the ITV series Cracker. He was um, uh, Valentin Sukovsky Suk- Suk- uh, Zuk- in Goldeneye. Bleh, sorry. Um, and um, he's also in Brave and Great Expectations. He 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 had a very wonderful career. Um, but I think he he uh, I didn't watch the special yet. But apparently, at the 20th anniversary special, he was saying like, "Well, I mean, I'm going to be gone, but people are going to be able to turn on uh, the television and watch Harry Potter, and Hagrid will be on, and they'll remember me that way." And it's like that's kind of like a beautiful, beautiful way to look at how, yeah. what you contributed to that world, and. It's like, I mean, out of all the his performances, I always go back to Chamber of Secrets because that's kind of secretly at the Hagrid movie because of how he how his history ties into the Chamber of Secrets. And literally the end of the movie is it wouldn't be Hogwarts without you, Hagrid. Like, yeah, he's the he's the heart of Harry Potter. Mm hmm. Yeah. He's actually like the one of the most iconic images in the first movie from in the first like 10 minutes, apart from Dumbledore taking all the light out of the uh, street lamps is literally Robbie Coltrane riding in on a flying motorcycle to be like, here's your baby. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. Robbie Coltrane and Ted white will both be missed in film land. And that's funny, news. I, I thought you were going to say Angela Lansbury for the second. I, one. I thought you guys would have already talked about that. Was that last week? I thought it was this week. I thought it was last week. Well, she won't be the guest on our podcast. <laughs> Now, hold on. Hold on. We'll settle this. Angela Lansbury, the legendary Angela Lansbury died. Um, and uh, if everybody is not singing substitutionary locomotion this week, then you're all fucking terrible people. Um, uh, but yeah, Murder, She Wrote, Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. She's in a lot of Golden Age Hollywood from the era. I, do, do you, when do you think the first time you saw Angela Lansbury in anything was? Would it have been Murder, She Wrote or would it have been Bed Knobs and Broomsticks? Uh, yeah, mine's sorry, Brad. Go ahead. Uh, mine's probably the voice in Beauty and the Beast. So. Oh, that's true. Yeah, Miss um, uh, the teapot. Yeah. Did did my like freaking joke go over your head, Zach? <laughs> what? I said she won't be our guest on this podcast because oh, there's God. a song I... in Beauty and the Beast called "Be Our Guest." <laughs> Ryan, Ryan, I need to give you that Real Nerds Gold membership card that you gave to me. <laughs> um, what's your address so that I can send it back? <laughs> yeah. um uh, mine's definitely bed knobs and broomsticks uh and then murder she wrote my grandma donna loved bed knobs and broomsticks and murder she wrote so mm-hmm. that's where i yeah. know her from yeah i think i the uh the one time the the first time that i noticed her as a like a grandiose actor was the manchurian candidate because she is terrifying in that movie uh as the mother it is it is a sinister performance from her, hands down. Um, if anybody here hasn't seen the original Manchurian Candidate, stop what you're doing and go try to watch it. It's one of the best Frank Sinatra movies, let alone the best one of the best Angela Lansbury performances you'll ever see. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, and uh, Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. It's it's a witch fighting Nazis. How can you not love that? It's a masterpiece in that respect. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if, for Golden Age Hollywood listeners, she's also in the original Gaslight in a smaller role. Um, and uh, well, not the original original, but the one with Bergman um, and uh, Till the Cro- Clouds Roll By. The picture of Dorian Gray, Ryan, she plays yeah. Sybil in it. So um, Three Musketeers, 
um, the court jester with Danny Kay. She 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 worked through the gamut. She was one of our she's one of our uh, few remaining Hollywood icons from that era. So shout out to Angela Lansbury. Um, totally. She she lived a tale as old as time. A song as old as rhyme. It doesn't matter. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make it up for for fucking that no. joke up, Brad. No, 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 no. no. Uh, no. So this is usually the time where I say we're gonna recommend one thing, but I'm changing it up yet again because this is my podcast and I do what I want when I want. Do you know whose birthday it is today? Batman's. No, it's the muscles from Brussels. <gasps> Jean Claude Van Damme's birthday. <laughs> so damn it. So for for the one thing to recommend, Brad, what's the one Jean-Claude Van Damme movie that people should watch? So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Uh, uh, well, Jean-Claude Van Damme's Dan Van, obviously. <laughs> Thank you. <Come> on. <laughs> I mean, people don't know this, but you directed him in a film. Uh, yeah, I sure did. <laughs> and by directing, <laughs> Not, I mean you edited him into your film through green screen technology. I would say I edited him for sure. <laughs> Not sure I gave him any direction, but uh, I sure, <laughs> surely edited him. Um, but other than that, if I had to pick a film, um, gosh, what to choose from? He's got some greats. I mean, I guess the one I would want people to see is probably JCVD. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Cause I'm sure, you know, we're all familiar with, you know, blood sports, probably his best. Um, and, I, and I love street fighter and hard target. Um, but I, I, if there's a movie I want people to see, it's probably JCVD. So why do you love street fighter? That movie is not that good. <laughs> uh, Cause it's fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, you got your balls. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, uh, yeah, it's just fun. I'd... So for me, my, my favorite Van Damme movie is Death Warrant. Um, I know that's not a lot of people's favorite, but I just love the idea of him having not really a supernatural, but kind of a supervillain, the Sandman, you know, and he has to go to jail and figure out what's going on. And the Sandman's still alive. And they have that huge fight, like in the middle of the prison. And I don't know, there's something about it that I fucking love. <laughs> You know what's weird is I, I the Sandman guy in that I saw him in something else recently and he was kind of like one of the good guys and it that'd be weird threw me for a loop. Um, he was yeah he was he was like a, a henchman or something but for the good guys I God hmm. what bugging me I wonder what that was but yeah I was like oh my God that's Sandman he's he's not just like sadistic and crazy. <laughs> um, but uh yeah uh, uh yeah I guess Zach what's yours. You know, I, I'm going to sound basic because I'm not as versed in Jean-Claude Van Damme as you guys. However, I will say Bloodsport, but not stro- solely because of the martial arts aesthetic. It has to do with him in that chase with the with the cops chasing him. And he leads them on the goofiest fucking screwball comedy chase that an 80s movie has ever possessed. Have you seen the <laughs> Mentos gets- commercial version of that chase? Yeah. <laughs> Yes, I have. That's what <laughs> that's one of the reasons why I do appreciate John Claude Van Damme is that he is a he he can work within a comedy aesthetic as well as a dramatic aesthetic. Like he's he's funny in his last action hero cameo and and uh I do like him a lot in Expendables too as the villain. Yeah. Um I, I think he's actually a lot of fun in that. 
Um, but I agree with Brad. If you're going to watch one, you should watch JCVD because that one will give you a, a, a different look at the actor that you're not normally allowed to get. Um, it, it's, it's a pretty stellar performance. The only other performance he's really topped himself with is Jean-Claude Van Damme's Dan Van. It's undeniable that that is the role that has truly made him a cinema legend. Yeah. Like JCVD, it's almost like a, an art house film. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it's not an action blockbuster, which is, is a great turn for him. I'd also like to recommend Welcome to the Jungle because he's like doing a full on comedy perfor- performance about this uh, like team builder who's a total fraud. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, like I was just laughing out loud uh, for some of his deliveries of some lines where he's like being wheeled around in a wheelbarrow because he's so hurt. <laughs> um, and he's like not that hurt. <laughs> it's great. Um, and then there's another recent uh, one called The Bouncer. It might be called the protector based on like where you live, but I, I the bouncer was kind of like up there with like a serious dramatic turn, uh, while also being an action film that came out here really quickly and then uh disappeared. But uh, if you can find it, it's it's pretty awesome. Nice, uh, you know, also, uh, he was originally going to be in Mortal Kombat, the video game. And they couldn't secure the likeness, and the character of Johnny Cage is based on his character from Bloodsport. If you look in the first Mortal Kombat, Johnny Cage's outfit is like the shorts he wears in Bloodsport, where it has the uh, scarf around like the black shorts and stuff. So, yeah, more trivia for you. Yeah, I'm looking at his filmography. I realize I've never seen Universal Soldier. Yeah, I right. got that Steelbook. <laughs> Steelbook's awesome. Worth it, Brad? Yeah, it's it's not one of my favorites. It's it, it's pretty boring in a long stretch of it, and he gets sidelined a lot. Um, oh, dang! Yeah, Terry Orbach's in it. Yeah, dang. Roland Emmerich directed it. Yeah, maybe really that's Emmerich and Devlin. Yeah, before they hit yeah. it big with Independence Day. Um, yeah, and then did nothing else since. The fight at the end is badass. I have to watch it. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I did get the really cool steel book that came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's cool when he's yeah battling uh, Dolph Lundgren, but there's just long stretches of boringness in between all that, which I'm like, ugh. Gotcha. Uh, I've seen I'll Stargate, I just, but I've not seen Universal. Oh, maybe I'll just, make that a mission. He's like on my shelf. I just watching so many horror films right now. They kind of put it on the back burner. Yeah, um, yeah. Sudden Death is also great. That was like oh, yeah, the biggest. Is good. It's the biggest inspiration to John Clyde Van Damme's Dan Van, I think. Because the mm-hmm. whole hockey thing, um, and also double... inspiration for Michael Scott's um, <laughs> level midnight. Yeah. <laughs> totally, um, yeah. Double team uh, might be one of his best buddy comedy things because he's playing off of a uh, Dennis Rodman there. Mm-hmm. Um, double hard impact tar- is fun too. Hard targets, cool. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. probably his most insane action movie. No, it's because um, John Woo's a part of it, and so is Wilford Brimley. So yeah, and Lance Hen- Hendrickson's chewing the villain role. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I still need to see the quest. That's the one that I've wanted to watch for a while. After Brad talked about it on ninety five Film Explosion. Yeah, he directed that one. So mm. cool. Um, yeah. Next week, our film is Black Adam. So that yeah. should be fun. After I think it's been three or four straight weeks of horror films. So we're going to get into superhero stuff. 
It feels Ryan, like Black Adam's been on the back burner for years, so I'm excited to see what the heck this is. You're a huge rock fan. What? Uh, how excited are you for Black Black Adam, Ryan? Uh, I'll be one of the millions, ten millions of rock fans cheering him on. I, I think it looks pretty fun. I mean, he already spoiled like a big cameo in it, which sucks. But um, what? But I, I think it looks fun. Yeah, don't go. Don't go to his Instagram or his Twitter. <laughs> I follow him, but I've been scrolling past him the last couple of days because I'm like, I get it. You're promoting your movie. <laughs> yeah, he totally spoils a really big spoiler in it. So okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna avoid Instagram. Um, I'll just stick to Twitter. It's not like anybody's talking about anything on Twitter that's spoilers, right? Uh, you know, he is. <laughs> <laughs> I have a guess, but uh, don't spoil for me. No, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything. I just it sucks because when you Spider Man, <laughs> yeah, when you go on Twitter. Um, and you look at things. So like, I always check out Ed Boone and the rock and a couple other things. I get alerts about them. And so I'm like, Oh, you know, the rock tweeted something and I open, it's like motherfucker, <laughs> but it's all right. He's getting people hyped and I, I'm okay with it. So yeah, black Adam. Wonderful. Thanks. for Thanks for being on the show. So I'll, I'll talk to you guys next week. You will. Will you really? Yeah, we'll see. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That seems that doesn't seem definite. I'm gonna need a definite answer. Also, get those uh, 2012 lists together because we're coming up pretty quick on our film explosion 2012. Yep. You mm-hmm. already got mine, right, Brad? Uh, it wouldn't hurt to send it to me again. Okay, I guess I, I can send I'm it almost, to you again. I almost got mine done. I'll just send it to you tonight. That'd be great because I think we'd be ready to go. Because I don't think Corinne's gonna make it. She sent me a message, so. All right. Yep. Cool. Well, see you guys at the movies. Bye. Bye. Well, a real nerd knows who shot him. A real nerd can follow the plot. And a real nerd will come out of the gods. Let's action. Thanks for listening to Real Nerds Podcast, a Nebulous Visions production. Stream or download episodes, read articles at realnerdspodcast.com. Stream us on Apple or Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or iHeartRadio. Follow us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. Twitter and Instagram, at Real Nerds. Watch us on YouTube, Real Nerds Podcast. Email us at realnerds at gmail.com. Call us at 720-6Nerds5. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill, Mike at Plan 9 Studios, and Bolognium for all of our groovy theme songs. And that's how you fucking do it.